Thanks so much for joining us. Right now, we're playing some of our best of episodes of our podcast, and we will be back with fresh content soon. Welcome to the Auburn UMC Clergy Conversations podcast. Each week, our pastors take an in-depth look at Scripture and preview their message for Sunday morning services. We're glad you joined us. For more information about Auburn UMC, please visit our website at aumc.net. Welcome to our conversations for this week. and I'm Charles here with Kelly. As we look at Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36, and this is known as Transfiguration Sunday. As we look at the time that, that Jesus took Peter and James and John and up on the mountain and this transfiguration took place. And um, there's many things that we can, can learn from it. And also, it's just kind of a standalone story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to, to pull things from it. Uh, other than just knowing that, uh, that God is at work and this was a, a time uh, of importance for, for Jesus. Yeah. Do you want me to read? Sure. Our story picks up in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, starting in verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which was about to accomplish in Jeru- at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he'd said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, the chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Thank you. So it's kind of a crazy story. (laughs) It is. It is. We can can admit that. mm -hmm. Well, anytime it begins uh, after Jesus said these things, or in this case, eight days after Jesus has said these things, you got to kind of look back and say, okay, what things? Um, and the most important thing was this time when Jesus asked, who did the crowd say that I am? And they answered, Elijah, John the Baptist. And then Jesus asked the important question, who do you say that I am? And it was uh, Peter, of course, who, who answered the Christ sent from God. Um and again, Jesus told them not to not to tell anybody um, this, and that things would happen, uh, that he would be turned over and crucified and then raised on the third day. And then he shares some of the, the statements of our, our faith, that if anyone truly wants to, to follow Jesus, that they mm-hmm. must say no to themselves and take up their cross and, and follow Jesus. And anybody wants to gain their life, they must lose it. Anybody wants to lose their life, they gain it by following Jesus, um, these difficult sayings um, Mm -hmm. there. But what we see, and I I think in both of these instances, is Peter is the one who kind of steps up and fills the the silences. As he does so often. Mm -hmm. He can't stand just for there to be be quiet and meditation. Nothing is a rhetorical question for Peter. No. 
And so Peter was the one who answered Jesus' question there. And then uh, I love this, that they were weighed down or, or overcome with, with sleep. And, and Peter didn't really even know what he was saying, but he says, good here. Let's build some permanent shelters. Let's just hang out here. Um, and so Peter, uh, just an interesting person, I think, on some level, we can all relate to him. Uh, on another level, um, I, I remember in college that one way that we would um, sometimes think was, would we want this character or this person to be on a long road trip with us? And Peter is probably not the person you would want uh, on a long road trip, um, that he couldn't just sit back and enjoy the tunes and the scenery, and he'd have to be saying something um, all along the way. Uh, but again, also, there's something we can all relate to about that. That's so funny. I was <laughs> totally unrelated. Just imagining you on a road trip, because this surprises some people. You and I are both naturally kind of introverted. Mm -hmm. We are completely comfortable in our own company. Silence does not upset us. So that is so funny to think of Peter's, or to think of anyone really as someone, mm -hmm. if you're willing to go on a road trip with them. I don't know that, that Peter would be the one that I would want to go on a road trip with either. But on the other hand, he seems like a great pal who could get you out of just about any situation. That's true. But coincidentally, he might also be the one that got you into the That's situation. True, yeah. But he would be the one who, <laughs> who would say, let me talk to police. Let me, <laughs> let me handle this. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the things about this story that I think is so um, interesting is how um, intentional it is, right? We have to remember mm. that Jesus' disciples are Jewish, and this story has all the hallmarks of some mm. of the greatest stories of the Jewish people. Um, so they go up on the mountain, just like we saw Moses do to get the Ten Commandments, and then Moses was with God, and then they came back down the mountain. We see... Um, an allusion to the great cloud of God, kind of like we see with the Israelite people or the Hebrew people in the wilderness as they followed the cloud by day. Um, or even like the cloud that covered the mountain that Moses went up to retrieve the Ten Commandments from. Um, we get the great allusion to Elijah, which is who some of Jesus's um, fringe followers thought he might have been. This story is all the greatest hits of um, like the stories that make the Jewish people who they were. And I think that that is so interesting and so beautiful. And one of the things that I also have always wondered, we know that the men have traveled up this great mountain and that their feet are tired, their backs are aching, they are weighed down with sleep, which by the way, I think I need to start saying, I'm not sleepy, I'm weighed down with sleep. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I always have wondered about is how did they know it was Elijah and Moses? How did they know? Because we know that they woke up and they look up and there are these two other sparkly guys at the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. How did they know? That's not really anything profound, but I do love um, the idea that the disciples, whether they're the disciples here we see in the story or the disciples, you and me and whoever um, is around us, that there is a journeying involved in following Jesus and part of the joy that comes from being in a community and being in a community that is trying to follow Jesus is that at the end of the road, we will see Jesus as he truly is. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think it's interesting that they did not tell anybody for a while. And yeah. <laughs> I'm, 
And I'm thinking, you know, maybe that was, it was just so overwhelming. They had to kind of process it and, and talk to each other about it and possibly even talk to Jesus about it and, mm-hmm. and kind of come to this, this place. Um, but I am um, just always interested in that. Uh, they're way down with, with sleep, or my version says almost overcome with sleep. Um, and, you know, just curious as sometimes the things that uh, make us kind of asleep, that we perhaps miss out or almost miss out, uh, as it kind of appears to the disciples uh, in this case, uh, on the things that God is doing. Yeah. Um, what are the things that keep us from seeing or experiencing feeling the things that, that God is, is doing, those things that keep us asleep. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. That's a hard observation to follow. Um, yeah, and I, I, I just keep thinking about what you said a few moments ago about how whenever Jesus says uh, eight days after something or whenever scripture says that, you have to look at what Jesus has done just before this. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe this is why the disciples don't say anything, why they're so tired, because this is one of the first times right before this that Jesus has told them, I am going to die. This is not going to end well for mm-hmm. me. Um, and then they have this really transformative, maybe even traumatic experience on the top of the mountain and then they have to trek back down the backside of the mountain towards Jerusalem where Jesus has told them he will die um and so I think sometimes when we think about that um it makes sense that they would be quiet we've had this life-changing news and yet we know that this news is not exactly what we thought it would be uh, that this amazing Jesus, who is truly God among us, uh, will die. Because that's just not the kind of Messiah that I think anyone was looking for. And if we're really honest, maybe the type of Messiah that anyone is looking for. We like the strong Jesus that we celebrate, or we want to celebrate on Palm Sunday, who rides into the city victorious like a war champion. And instead, we see a Jesus who reveals himself in the quietness of prayer and faces death head on. Do you know, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does, yeah. And uh, I love the fact that Peter was still speaking when this cloud overshadowed them. Um, and this voice from the cloud said, this is my son, the chosen one, listen to him. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if, uh, yeah, Peter was just processing out loud and, and, um, and, it takes uh, a point to say that, that Peter was still talking when, when God moved, when God overshadowed that um, <laughs> with this cloud and, and his voice as well. Uh, and uh, the, the, sec- the other thing I love about this too is that we see um, this glory of God revealed, but it's revealed, and, and you kind of hit upon this, in community mm-hmm. uh, that Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John with him. Um, and what we find, and I think particularly over the last couple of years with quarantine, different things going on, uh, that that perhaps more often than not, the glory of God is revealed in community. Um, that There are absolutely those moments uh, of reading scripture, of prayer, of just experience God's creation, uh, that we see God's glory. Uh, but really some of the most powerful times are those in community. Yeah. And I don't totally understand it. I just just know it to be true. 
I quoted you a few weeks back. I said, as Brother Charles would say, I don't understand it, but I know it to be true. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that makes sense because scripture tells us and our experience tells us that we are created to be in community. Mm -hmm. That's how we are supposed to live. So um, I think it is makes total sense that some of the most transformative experiences that we would have, not only with each other, but with God, happen together. We're mm -hmm. designed to be together. Yeah. And then we have, in every gospel writer, when talking about the transformation, uh, transfiguration, uh, we have this uh, demon-possessed uh, boy um, that they meet coming down the mountain mm -hmm. or, or the next day and is coming back to, to reality. And the disciples have tried to do all these things mm -hmm. uh, to provide healing. Um, and then yet we see it's, it's Jesus who, who does that. And it's almost uh, going from this experience of, of God's glory and all these wonderful things kind of back to back to life, back to reality as the old song goes. Um, and, and I think in a moment we have to, to realize that that's kind of where we live uh, almost uh, in between those two or in both of those spaces as followers mm -hmm. of Jesus. So there's those moments where we feel so close and see God at work, but then also those moments when real life kicks in and there are problems and, and issues that, we realize we can't solve by ourselves, even though we try. Well, I think that's the story of faith, right? Mm -hmm. That's the story of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We are neither mountaintop people, nor are we base of the mountain people. We are mm -hmm. people who are along the journey, and we will, at one point or another, this is a guarantee, experience both of those yeah, things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I love this. This is... You know, we celebrated the Epiphany several weeks ago at the beginning of the new year, um, and that is when the wise men go to see Jesus. And this is our last Sunday before Lent starts, so this is our last Sunday after the Epiphany, and I think it's really lovely that we started this journey um, trying to find Jesus in a manger under the light of a star, and here we are finding Jesus, who is the light of the world, who does not uh, cloister himself on a mountain, but comes back down into the city to be among the people. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's the hope we carry into Lent, that even when everything is uh, empty and sullen and the world feels like nothing but ash, that Jesus is the light of the world mm -hmm. among Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And in, in closing, we do want to remind you uh, that as we begin the season of Lent with Ash Wednesday, if you're watching this on um, on Sunday, uh, it's just in a, a few days uh, that we'll celebrate Ash Wednesday. Uh, beginning with that, uh, there are a number of different opportunities uh, as we walk through these 40 days together as a church family uh, towards the cross and um, and ultimately towards Easter. And we encourage you to be a part of those. And you can find all those at our website at aumc.net. Uh, but again, thank you for joining us. And Kelly, will you close us in prayer? Yeah, I'd love to. Holy God, we're thankful that you are no longer um, just a God of the mountain. And you are um, not just a God at the base of the mountain, but you are with us every step of the way, revealing who you are, teaching us um, how to love you, but also how to love and serve this world and this community. So we ask that you would help us to see your light uh, in all that we do and everywhere we go and every person that we come across, that in doing so, we might remember that you are the God of all of us um, and we are bound together in that love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Clergy Conversations with Auburn United Methodist Church. Check back next week for our next episode. For more information about Auburn United Methodist Church, please visit our website at aumc.net.